2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. A little bit of reading tonight, but I'll get you to see something that I saw and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about, and maybe you could see, the, see that uh, it might help you tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So when death worketh in us, but life in you. We're having the same spirit of faith according as it's written. I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sake that the abundance grace might through the thanksgivings of many rebound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceedingly an eternally way of glory. Now, Paul said our light affliction. Let's, let's just be honest about that. I know what some of you have gone through. I've seen what some of the children of God has gone through in your life. And I've seen what they've gone through. And, and just by me saying, I don't think that was a light affliction. I don't think that was a light fix. Some things that I have seen some of the God's children go through, I don't think it was light as Paul uh, was said, and some of it was tough, and some of it was heavy. And then he said it, it works for us. Some of the things that I've seen the uh, Christians go through that ain't light, and I can't see how in the world it worked for them. I, I can't see it. And, and then he said, but for a moment. I've seen some Christians go through something for an awful long time. And it seems like it, they've gone through it and they, they're still in it and they're not getting out of it. They've been in it through a long time. And the reason I say that is because we, I look at it with my eyes. I ain't looking at it like God looks at it. This little boy came to God. He said, God, he said, oh, little child of mine. What is it? He said, how long is a day with you, God? He said, a day is but a, a moment, just a thousand years, but a moment. The little boy asked him, says, how much is a million dollars to you, God? And God said, it's nothing but a penny to me. The little boy said, God, can I have a million dollars? He said, just a moment, just a moment. 
We don't look at the things the way God looks at it, and we need to look at it. And Paul clears it up in verse 18. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. While we, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen, that is one of the greatest oxymorons that could ever say. How can I see something that I can't see? For the things which are seen are temporal. That is where we get our word temporary from. But the things which are not seen are eternal. We're preaching on this thought. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Paul is a Christian. He looks at everything different than everybody else around him. When you read in the writing of Paul uh, and you notice that he sees things different uh, than other people that's around him. When you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul gives us an eight things uh, that we should do. He said, rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and he says in everything give thanks now Paul is writing this from a prison cell Paul is changed in a prison he's changed to the guards uh, uh, that's passing forth it's, it's a dark dungeon place uh, and rats is running around it's infectious and, and yet Paul says rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and everything, how in the world can Paul say give thanks in everything? I don't understand it, but most American Christians can't rejoice when we got money in our pockets and food in our belly and clothes on our uh, backs and a roof over our head uh, and freedom in our life and salvation in our heart uh, and things that are going good in our life and yet we still cannot rejoice because you ain't looking at it right. You ain't looking at it right tonight. Obviously, Paul looked at things different because the very next chapter, in chapter 5, he gives us this great verse, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul says, I'm not living by sight, I'm living by faith. And in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in, in His great love, that old song that we sang, then Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, Now faith is the substance of things that hope for, for the evidence of things not seen. He said, I'm trusting in something, I'm hoping in something that I cannot see tonight. So what are you looking at tonight? I'm telling you, Paul is, is looking at uh, uh, Paul is looking at Jesus Christ, the orphan, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him and endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father at the throne of God. I know what Paul is looking at tonight. He's got something in his eyes, and it's not this world around us. He's got something in his eyes. He's looking at something greater than we can see. So what are you looking at tonight? There's some things that Paul did, I believe, that we can look at. And if we can look at the way Paul looked at it, it might help us in our walk in this Christian life. Obviously, Paul looked at his problems differently. In verse number 8, we're troubled on every side. 
Have you ever felt that every time you looked around, everywhere you looked around, it was trouble over here, it was trouble over there, it was trouble. You got up in the morning, there was trouble in your house. You had trouble going to work. You got to your job, and when you got there, there was trouble, and he had trouble all day long. You're going back home, and there's trouble all around you, and you get in your home, and there's still trouble. It seems like there was trouble on every side of you. That's what Paul says, we're trouble on every side. Everywhere we look, we're troubled. Every time we turn our heads, there's problems coming at us. But yet Paul said, yet not distress. Paul said there were trouble on every side, but we hate to worry about it. Now Paul, how can I not worry about trouble? It's because the way you look at your problems. Paul obviously looked at his problems different than anywhere of us. Paul said, I'm troubled on every side, but I ain't worried about it because of the way he looked at his problems. We're perplexed, but not in despair. That word despair means without help. It means you ain't got nobody. Nobody's there to bail you out. Nobody's you has been forsaken and you've been cast down and you have no help and no hope. You know why Paul said, I, 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 I can say I'm troubled on every side, but I'm not distressed. I'm not distressed about it. I'm perplexed and not in despair because he realized this, I am not without help. It doesn't matter whether I'm in jail or whether I'm in a church service. He said, I got somebody that's helped me. He said, God is our refuge and our strength and our present help in trouble. And many times, many there say there in my soul, there is no help in him but God. But God, but thou, O Lord, art my shield and my glory and the lifter of my head. I'm glad I got somebody to help me tonight. I'm glad that when I'm standing in trouble, I'm glad that when I'm perplexed on every side, I've been cast down, I've been forsaken. I don't have to worry about it because I've got help in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to 2 Kings and read that story of the Syrian king there, it's a wonderful story. Syrian king was getting ready to go to war with Israel. But God had told Elijah what was about to happen. And Elijah wanted and warned the kings of Israel not to go over, not to do that. And the king of Syria got upset about it and said, y'all need to go get Elijah. He's causing me problems. He's causing me heartache. He's too, you just need to go out and get him. Elijah was down there and his servant got up and went outside. And when he went outside, he behold the hills full of enemies there. And he, he runs back and says, Elijah, uh, we're in a mess here. We got some problems. Uh, there's trouble on every side of us. And we don't know what to do. Uh, what you going to do? Elijah got up and said, hmm. <laughs> said Lord, Pray that he opened the eyes of my servant that he may see. And God opened the eyes of his servant. He looked around. He saw the horses and the chariots of fire that was on our side. And Elijah said, there are more of us than it is of them. Amen. Let me just say this. There's more of him than anybody in this world, than any enemy you can come in contact with. There is more of God there for you. He saw his persecution different. Not only did he look at his problems different, I, I believe if we start looking at our problems the way Paul looked at them, we will get through this life a whole lot better. 
I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. We've got them. But how you look at them problems dictate on how you're going to be. You, know, you can always tell somebody when they got a problem. Their face is going to tell you. In fact, if you know them good enough and you see on their face they're going through problems and they got some heartaches, you don't even want to talk to them. They're going to snap your head off. But Paul, can you can y'all imagine this? Paul in prison, chain rats and roaches running around him. I'm just going to rejoice. In fact, he told King Grippa, says, I think myself happy. We ought to start thinking ourselves happy, amen. He, he looked at his problems different, and also he looked at his persecution different. Verse 10 and 11, always bearing in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are suffering for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Persecuted, why? That the life of also Jesus might be manifested in our moral flesh. Paul said the reason why God has allowed me to go through this persecution, why God has allowed me to go through this, is so that the life of Jesus Christ gets pushed to the front that other people may see him. Let me just say this. Persecution should never bring out the worst in you. Let me say that again. I don't think you got that. Persecution should never bring out the worst in you, but persecutions bring out the best in you. Amen. Hey, when you're going through something, you're being persecuted. It doesn't matter. It could be at home. It could be at your job. You're under that persecution. It ought to bring joy in your life that Christ shines through. Amen. Paul looked at it different. It has been said that you are never more like Jesus Christ than when you suffer. In Isaiah, the Bible said that he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. You want to get acquainted with Jesus Christ? Start going through some sufferings. He, he saw this planet differently. He saw the planet Verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When he viewed the world, when he looked at the world, he viewed something as temporal. Everything around you is temporal. He does not view it like many people do it today. Like many Christians, a man is what, is what he's living for. He, he wants everything. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is everything nice. This is everything to me. I'm going to strive to get this. I, I need the money. I need the prestige. I, I need a big house. I, I need the fancy cars. Uh, and you know what? Christian people ought to start looking at those things and start looking at that thing. Heavenly bound. Paul said, I'm not living my life for stuff. I'm looking in another world. My eyes are not fixated on this stuff. This world is infatuated with temporal things because they have no hope 
in the eternal things. Listen, this world is fatuated in the temporal things because they have no hope in the eternal things. You see it on TV. You see it on Facebook and advertisement. Everything you see, it says, you need this. You've got to have this. Everybody says, this is a new and better thing. You buy this and you get new and better things. They're telling you, you need to have this TV. You need to have this computer. You need to have this phone. It's the best there is on the market. And you go out and you buy this TV or this computer or this phone. And you get it and you think, wow. Wow, I've achieved, I got this great thing. It don't take but six months and then they come right back out and tell you, hey, what you got ain't no good. You need this one. It's over. Everything's a recycle. You never can be satisfied with the things of this world. You got by and by and get and get. You're striving to have all these material things. Paul says, I'm not looking at this stuff. I'm not looking at the things of this world. My eyes are fixated. On something else. The Bible says lay your treasures. In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust nor corrupt. And where thieves do not break through or steal. Let me say for those who are born again. Those who are washed in the blood. Those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. We are highly interested in the eternal things that will last forever. Not, not going to be washed away, but something that's going to last. We're looking like Paul. Paul said, we're not to look at these things. Let me give you three things and we'll try to get out of here. Paul said, we're not to look at the temporal things. If you're constantly focusing and running after what is going to be burned up one day. If you're living your life in your spiritual roller coaster, you're up one day, down one day, up one day, and down one day. I cannot live like that. I cannot live my life that way. I cannot be on a spiritual roller coaster. You know why some people live on a, that kind of a spiritual roller coaster? Because they're looking at things wrong. They're looking for all the wrong things in this world. And this world is constantly messing with peace. It's constantly messing with the joy. And it's constantly messing with your faith. It's messing you up. It's messing you up in love. It's just world is just messing everything up in your life. It's messing up everything that God wants to do in your life and bring into your life. This world is messing it up. Yeah, I don't like to be around people like that. You don't know what? I, I was in a service one time. Sunday morning, preaching my heart out. I was a young preacher, still a young preacher. I was preaching my heart out at that church. And let me tell you, they were sitting on the front row. I'm preaching out, and they jump up. Woo! Praise God! Praise God! Woo! Preach it, preach it! Lay it on thick. And let me tell you what, if I was getting wrong to it, I was running to it. I said, Lord, we're going to have a good time this week. I get there on five hours later at six o'clock. I start preaching. They're sitting on the front row. <laughs> daring me to stir them up. Daring, you know, I said, Lord. We need to finish this thing up quick 
It's a spiritual roller coaster. How in the world can you be high like this one moment? You're praising God, and all of a sudden you done hit that low, and you got bottom out, and it's the same God. He ain't changed. What happened to you? Because you start looking at things wrong. We get the wrong things in our eyes, and we cannot see. Paul says, I'm not looking at the temporal things. I'm not looking at the things of this world. I'm looking for a city. Abraham and Lot. I tell you what, you can always find in the Bible illustrations of what you preach on. Abraham and Lot, they were standing there. Then had a bickering of the people and the servants and all that. Said. Abraham said, Lot, you look and which way you go, I go the opposite way. If you go that way, I'll go this way. If you go that way, I'll go that way. But we got to separate. Lot stood up there and looked and saw that well water plain in Sodom. Mm, it looking good over there. And Sodom picked up, packed up, and moved over there. Abraham went the other way. You read in the Bible, Lot winds up losing everything. He's in a city. He's done lost his morals and lost everything. And the Bible said he was at strife. He's vexed in his soul. He chose Sodom. And, it, and if you read the last comment about Lot, if you read the very last thing about it, you find him in a cave drunk and having incest. And that's all you read about him. Now how in the world can a man go from watching a great man of God walk and think? The Bible says Abraham... Uh, was looking for a city. It's not built by the hands of man. But he's looking for a city that's built by God. And he kept on going. He says, I'm looking for a city. It's not in this world. I'm not looking at things on this plane. I've got something in my mind. I've fixated my sight. I'm looking at something greater than this place. If you get your mind off the temporal things of this world and start looking at those things, you're going to have a happy life and a peaceful life. He said, don't, don't look at those things which are temporal. Paul said, don't love what is temporal. You study the Bible. You read the Bible. The only things that, two things that last forever, as far as this life, the stuff that you can see. First, the Scriptures. The Scriptures. The Bible said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You could take this book right here and, and you can destroy it, you can burn it, whatever, it but the word is still there. It, it's still settled. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. You, you can't get rid of the word. You can do what you want to with this, uh, but that word is settled in heaven. The other thing that's going to live forever, every one of you, you mean I get to live for You better believe. You better believe. You're going to live one place or the other. <laughs> you better not live, love the things that's temporal around here. You better not look at this world and say, I'm happy here. I find peace here. I'm rejoicing in this world. Because let me tell you what the Bible says. It's going to be burnt. It's going to be destroyed. You ought to start looking at those things that's going to last forever. I don't want to live my life forever in the lake of fire. 
Amen. Better get right with God. Start seeking the things of God, not the things of this world. Too many Christians today are looking at the things in this world to bring them peace, happiness, and joy. Can I say this? It will bring you peace, happiness, and joy, but for a season, for a little while. And it won't be long. It won't be long. You'll be trying to find something else. Whatever you, whatever you grab a hold of, you chase and you run and you grab it, it, it it's all of a sudden it disappears. It's no longer there. But the devil puts something else in front of you to reach and try to run and grab a hold of it. It's a never-ending cycle. You're always trying to reach something that you cannot hold to. Paul says don't love, don't look at those things that are temporal. Don't love the things that are temporal. And it says, don't live for what is temporal. Like I said, don't spend your time chasing and fleeing. Don't run after those things that you cannot get a hold of. Things that makes you happy. Because when you do grab it, it disappears and goes away. And you start the cycle all over again. Don't spend your life running after Something in this world that says you got to have to be happy. You know, the world has its own thought of what would make you happy. The world, world says, you know what, education will make you happy. I'm not against education, please. It, it, we need the education people in the world, but there's good education, there's bad education. But don't spend your life running after education. Because it seems like sometimes, they, you know, you're a 45-year-old freshman in college. Amen. It's been in college for 40 years. <laughs> just seems like it never goes over. It just wants to stay there because it's where it wants to be. Uh, don't, 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 don't run after money. We've got a lot of Christian people running after money today. They, they, the world says in order for you to be happy, you've got to have a lot of money. Well, I beg to differ with you. I beg to differ with you. I ain't got a lot, but I'm happy with what I got. And I'm not trying to get more because God said, hey, what you got is all you need. I'm good at it. But we got Christians that want to get more and more. Now, don't get me wrong. Money ain't bad. If you got plenty of money, please share. I just thought I'd say that because you had enough you want to just give somebody. That's right. Don't run after riches. And spend your life. I love commercials. Especially about beauty products. You've seen this new one about this airbrush. If I could turn back time. You put three or four drops in this thing and you say, see this blemish? It's gone. It's gone. And they spray in the face, and all of a sudden, they take from one picture looking like they're 103, and now they're looking like they're 93. <laughs> it didn't do you good. All you're doing is cover up what you got. I'm just saying this. You know, you could put on three inches of makeup, and it's still you. Amen. Don't run out to try, you know, facelifts. 
You, you get so many facelifts that don't tie a knot on top of your head to keep the skin from falling down. Amen. We, we see it. Live with what God has given you. Amen. Don't, don't run out there and spend thousands of dollars to try to make yourself look, but don't run after beauty and age. We do that. We got to look better. We got to look younger. We got to be this, you know. And, and you know what? You're still going to be the same. You're going to be dead. That don't change. We're all going to die. Amen. Some of us make good corpse. Some of us make bad corpse. But once they close the lid, nobody will remember you. I'm telling you, nobody will remember what you look like. What we find, we're running after all these. Don't love the things that's temporal. You read Proverbs. And Ecclesiastes, you read those two books. Proverbs, a man that has everything. Everything's going his way. He's just got it all. He's got it going on. And Proverbs, he's, he's just on top of the hill. But when you start reading Ecclesiastes, that boy's just said, oh, his life is in a shambles. He's been running and chasing after all these things. And in fact, at the end of the book, he said, I hate my life. And it was written by the same man. Solomon spent his youth getting all that he needed in his later years it just left him you spend your time chasing all these things it will sooner or later leave you read I challenge you go read those two books back to back and you see what Solomon was and how he ended his life in sorrows and heartaches because he chased it after everything in this world and, and Paul is telling us hey if I'm happy in prison and I, I'm telling you to rejoice always and, and, and uh, tell him to, to uh, 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 pray without ceasing and everything give thanks to God then we ought to start looking at our things that we come in contact in a different way than we are so tonight what are you looking at are you looking at the things of this world or are you looking at things that cannot be seen well, I wish I could have the visions of Paul, the way he looked at things. I understand that we're Christians. We go through these things. We go through all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, ain't none of us has gone through any of the things that Paul has gone through. We haven't suffered the way Paul has suffered. We haven't had to endure the things that Paul endured, and yet we're not happy. Yet we find no peace. I gotta, 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 gotta have more, 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 more. I gotta have this, gotta have that. We can't, we're never, ever satisfied. If we start looking at our problems and our persecutions and this temporal things in a different view, you might find that you'll become happy and joy in this life. Like, what are you looking at? Are you looking at this temporal things? Are you looking at the things of this world trying to bring you happiness? Can I say it's not? You just start laying up your treasures in heaven. That's where your mind also should be. You'll find joy and you'll find peace in your life. 